Good evening, folks. Let's say that again. Good evening, folks. I think I heard the children back in the classes louder than you folks tonight. One more time. Good evening, folks. Oh, that's much better. You know, it is neat. A lot of us sometimes sit in the back and uh, come up front. It's nice to hear you sing. You can hear your, sometimes I can hear individual voices back there. Yeah, you folks have great voices. Um, maybe I should have reversed those hymns tonight. The power of the cross is incredibly important <clears throat> and a mainstay theologically to us as Christians. And then we sang victory in Jesus. <clears throat> the power of the cross is just not the crucifixion, but it is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's alive today with us, isn't he? You spent all day with him today, haven't you? Yes. So tonight I'm like, Pastor Carl, a couple weeks ago I preached Christ crucified and he's in the grave and I said, it's not appropriate to leave him there. You mind if I preach on Easter again? He's like, you better preach him risen from the dead. I'm like, thank you. So live streamers, good to see you tonight. And you know, I always appreciate, there's a couple people in this room I always appreciate so much. Well, Mike's one of them. He just springs water regularly. He doesn't even think about it. Everybody say, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. This isn't Sunday. This isn't Sunday school, is it? Two other people I really am thankful for is Beth Ann, and I think it's Hannah back there. Thankful for them. They're back there quiet, but they're turning on and off the sound and keeping flow and, and just working, serving back there. So thank you, ladies. I really appreciate your servant's heart back there. So we are going to passage tonight. You know, even though Christmas is over, or I'm not COVID brain tonight. I know it was Easter. That's over. It is appropriate to preach on these doctrines. If you listen real good, you'll hear Pastor Carl. He'll talk about the resurrection. He'll talk about the crucifixion. He'll talk about adoption. He'll talk about um, atonement. He'll talk about all these theological terms, not just once or twice or certain times a year, throughout the year. So even though we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday, I want to continue to go here, and I'll be there in Sunday school too. <coughs> um, so tonight, Jesus triumphs, and yes, there is victory in Jesus. He triumphs. The perplexing discovery, another title or theme that you could have here. Um, I want to give you a quote, and you maybe have heard of this man before. Um, it's a quote from Dr. John Stott. I quote, Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion, unquote. The concept of resurrection lies at the heart of Christianity. You think about that tonight. Folks, hermeneutically, one rule of hermeneutics is we cannot just sit there in our chairs. Give me a sermon. I'm going to pack it up, zip my Bible up, go home, get a snack before bedtime. You have got to think in your seats. If I preach something that's ridiculous, or, God forbid, Pastor Carl, you've got to be in your seats thinking through the Word of God. 
You've got to be thinking through the word and understanding and <clears throat> putting it all together. And so tonight, you need to understand the concept of the res- resurrection lies at the heart of Christendom. If you remove the resurrection, folks, your Christianity is destroyed. It's gone. There's no sustenance to what you call yourself a Christian to your neighbors and family and friends. Think about at least the New Testament. In each of the Gospels, we see the sacrificial lamb voluntarily went to death for the sins of mankind. We've seen Pastor Carl preaching in uh, John Sunday. We've seen uh, the lamb went to his death, the sins of mankind. He rose from the dead as the victor. We sang victory in Jesus tonight. And he is now the exalted head and Lord of this church and the universal church all over the world. He's Lord of that church, the church. In the book of Acts, we see how this little, weak, powerless group of men, women, mostly men, the women a couple weeks ago I told you were bold and courageous, this powerless group of disciples at the crucifixion running for their lives. Now they're at full power because of the resurrected living Jesus Christ working in their life. In the epistles of Paul and the other apostles that penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, we see the central themes of the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the exaltation. You will see that in penning of these men throughout the New Testament. <clears throat> resurrection, uh, uh, Revelation. Is that the first? No, third. What book is that? Where is that in the New Testament? COVID. Blame it on COVID. Where, what is, where is that? Come on. At the end of your Bible, right? Last book of the Bible. In Revelation, we see how the risen Christ is ready to return in the fullness of time in divine glory as the victor. Victory in Jesus as the victor over the grave and death and hell and as the eternal king and prince of peace. That's what the book of Revelation shows Christ to be. He has been crucified. He has resurrected and he is exalted. He's living today. And you and I are living today. Our blood boils with Christ's likeness tonight. Because of Christ's resurrection and his life. <clears throat> the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms to us that he is indeed deity, the Son of God, just as he claimed to be. He also proves that his sacrifice for sin, your nice sin, has been accepted. His sacrifice for your sin personally tonight has been accepted and that the work of salvation for your life is complete. You are complete in Christ, the Bible says. Those who trust him can, you can, and you have been for the most part tonight, 
If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and Christ alone by faith in the work that he's done on the cross, in the crucifixion and his resurrection, you are not a Christian tonight. Plain and simple, you're not a Christian tonight. Most of us in this room, most of us have been walking in newness of life because he is alive and he gives us power every day. It is no surprise then that Satan has attacked the truth of the resurrection. We went over a whole bunch of theories, seven, eight different theories against the resurrection in Sunday school. Satan has been trying to destroy that ever since it happened. Now, as we come to Luke 24, our emphasis is on tonight the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Tonight, I preached him crucified a couple weeks ago. Can't leave him there. What a perplexing discovery Jesus triumphs. And tonight, just <clears throat> as I continue to keep my voice, I've asked Woody if he would help me tonight. He's going to read Luke chapter 24 verses 1 through 12, and if you servants back there could flip this on for me, please. Woody's going to read this tonight, and you all follow along with him, please. <coughs> all right, Luke 24, 1 through 12. Luke 24, 1 through 12, please. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. As they found the stone uh, rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. As it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful men, and he crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned into the sepulchre and told all these things from the to the eleven unto the eleven and to the rest it was mary magdalene and joanna and mary the mother of james and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles and their words seemed to them as idle tales and they believed them not then arose Peter and ran into the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen cloths laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Thank you, brother. I appreciate your help there. <clears throat> Luke 23, verses 55 and 56, 
you don't have to back up, it's up there, but it's in the former chapter or prior chapter. The women, it says, and the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. And they returned and prepared what? Spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. So, Dr. Luke tells us that these women, they planned to return to the tomb to prepare Jesus' body for burial following the Sabbath, the Jewish day of rest. These women <clears throat> were probably performing tasks which were probably customarily done by relatives because they loved Jesus Christ. Now, <coughs> in this text, as you've read it, you probably didn't notice, but there were a number of perplexing discoveries, and along with these women, let's go there with them, okay? Let's back up a couple thousand years, and let's go to the sepulcher. Let's go back to the tomb. I know you've been through the Gospels, and you've been through this before, but let's see if we can get your magnifying glass and clues out. Let's, let's run back and let's see if we can find some, not just discoveries, but perplexing discoveries, okay? So, here's one that Brother Woody read about. The first one that we see in the text in verse 2, okay? Discovery number one is the great stone was rolled away. In verse 2, the women were surprised, actually, to see the stone rolled away. Mark's account, if you would go over to the Gospel of Mark, Mark's account says that they had been questioning among themselves as to how the stone could be removed so they could perform their services of love. <clears throat> what was the tomb? Well, a couple of men came in with an excavator and dug down about six feet and <clears throat> they had a gravestone and put the body in it and covered it up and put the gravestone on, right? No, not like today so much. The tomb was probably a hewed out, cave-like place cut in the rock. It probably had a huge flat rock actually rolled into the place to, what, cover the entrance. <clears throat> The women had one less thing to be concerned about. <laughs> how are we going to move that rock? How are we going to? We can't. I don't care how many women you get. Women can be strong. But they ain't rolling that big old stone. Gabby, I don't care how many of you are out there. You ain't rolling that stone over to get in that grave. It just ain't going to get done. It's really, really, really heavy. Let's look at... Another discovery, okay, discovery number two, Jesus' body is missing from the tomb. We see that in verse three. If the women were surprised to see the stone roll away, which they would have been pleasantly surprised, like, yes, our life is so much easier today. Imagine with me their shock. When they, you just walk in that sepulcher, 
you already got it down in your head. You know what you're going to see and what's going on. But they didn't. They kind of did, but they didn't. They were told, but they weren't thinking that way. And so imagine as they go into the sepulcher, and they're like, where's the body? Right? The body of Jesus is gone. We, we've prepared all these spices and ointments, and then we took a day and rest, and we went to all this work, and we come down here for a labor of love, and the stone's gone, making our job so much easier. Where is the body? <clears throat> I wonder what was going through their minds at that second. Who had done this? And whoever did it, where'd they take the body? Do you think that any of them were thinking, he's resurrected? Just like he said. Now, I'm not going to say they're not. I'm going to let you with that question in your heart tonight. They walk in, spices, ointment, stones rolled away. Makes sense. Body's gone. He's rose. He's resurrected. Well, folks, as I think about this, as not infinite, but finite man, we're finite in this room tonight. We have the infinite word of God, but as we read this and think about this, we have all kinds of clues hermeneutically because as we read the context and go down through and we read the other gospels and we put it all together, <clears throat> but as you think about this, you ask questions. They came to do what? They came to anoint the body of a living or a dead man. Yeah, say, say it louder, you're right. They came to anoint the body of a dead man. So their expectations is not, it's going to be an empty sepulcher, the body's gone, right? That's not their expectations. Their questions actually, in their head, if they weren't thinking, he's rose. Their questions actually were answered in even a greater surprise. Number three, the discovery, number three, the angels and their triumphal message. Their message. And we see this in what he read in verses four through eight. They stood there. There's the women. I'm thinking they're surprised, okay? That's my take on it. You might have a take that... You know, I knew it was going to happen. He's rose just like he said he was. They're confident. And they know he's risen from the dead. I think they're surprised. I think they're perplexed. And I think they're unable to find an explanation of the situation. <clears throat> they had the spices. <clears throat> the stone was moved away. Where's the body? They need a little help, don't they? As the angels had proclaimed the birth of Jesus, right? When Jesus was born, 
They were there proclaiming his birth, weren't they? So now, God again, he sent some of these celestial beings from the invisible world to proclaim his resurrection from the dead. <clears throat> Folks, any time a human being comes into contact with an angel, with an angelos, in the Bible, the response is one of awe. One of fear. They knew it wasn't some man or woman standing there. They knew something different. It was an angel. They stood there in awe. They stood there in respect. They stood there in fear. The normal word for fear, I think a couple weeks ago, I brought it out, the normal word for fear is the Greek word phobos. But here the word is emphobos. Emphobos means extremely afraid and filled with terror. Like they know, they know this isn't deity, but they know this isn't, they know this is an angel. These grieving women came expecting to see what? A dead body. Just like when Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave, it's like, cover your nose. He stinketh, Lord. It's the expectation. They came to anoint, put spices, put some good smelling stuff, and preserve as long as possible the dead body of Jesus. <coughs> the last thing they were expecting to see is two of God's mighty angels standing there at the grave. Angels aren't men. They're angels. They don't, they, they don't experience salvation. They sh they're sure rejoicing every time somebody gets saved. But they're angels. The angels, they're standing there. You think there's a perplexity if these women, like, the, no, no work about the stone. Forget about trying to get all these cowardly men, these, they call themselves disciples, and they're running for their lives. Can't get them to come help with stone. But it's rolled away, so that's a done deal. Um, the body's gone. Don't, not sure what we're going to do about that. And here's these two angels standing there. And they're standing there, and they're looking at these women. These angels are, like, looking at them. I'm trying to act like an angel a little bit. Big, tough, strong. You know, I don't know what an angel really looks like. I've never seen an angel. Um, standing there looking at these women... And they, they, they ask these ladies a question. They're like, come on, ladies, what's wrong with you? Why seek the living among the dead? Why are you looking for somebody that's living where it's supposed to be a dead person? Why? Don't you realize? Don't you get it? So folks, just as the women were stunned. The angels were probably stunned seeing these women looking for a dead Jesus when he was alive. What are you doing 
looking for Jesus here in a sepulcher, in a tomb. He's not dead. He's alive. Our master, who we fight for and rule and live for, and we're an incredible army for him, he's alive. Why are you looking for a dead body? <coughs> They're perplexed. They don't understand humanity, finiteness. Jesus is the living one, and all of life, Colossians says, consists in Christ. So why are you seeking him among the dead? In verse 6, they say, basically, ladies, he's not here. Ladies, he is risen. And that's why we say, I don't know if your phone blew up or not, but like every single year, he has risen. And then you say what? Yes. We know that. We trust that. We believe that. Because we come back to those three core doctrines that Pastor Carl preaches year in and year out, week after week, month after month. He has been crucified. He has risen and he is exalted, and he is alive, and he's victorious for you and I this week. And that is expositionally sound, and it's being illustrated right here from Dr. Luke, and if you don't have enough gumption to walk out of here and make some application for your life, tomorrow, the workforce, tomorrow, your marriage, tomorrow, the raising of your kids and grandkids, tomorrow, your neighbors... Live stream, can't talk about a neighbor situation, but I rectified it, took care of it. Crucifixion, resurrection, ascension is at play in your life tomorrow, this week, next week, the following week. And the angels, they gently rebuke the women for coming to seek the Savior among the dead. The women should have remembered that Jesus himself warned them that he would be delivered over and be crucified. But, big conjunction, but also that on the third day he would arise. That's why I said, if you think the women came and they're looking in and they're like, you know what? I get it. He has risen. Like he said. I wouldn't correct you because you might be right. <clears throat> I don't think they were thinking that. But in Luke chapter 18, to back up a number of chapters, it's on the screen here in verses 31 through 33. Tell you what, let's just back up there and let's read this. Luke 18. <clears throat> Look what was said to them. Go to verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve. And I'm just imagining that there's a bunch of them around, not just the twelve, but he says he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, 
Yep. And shall be mocked. Yep. And spitefully entreated. Yep. Spit on. Yep. And they shall scourge him. It happened. Put him to death. And that happened. That's why they're bringing the spices. Because they put him to death. He says, and the third day he shall rise again. He told them. He warned them. He helped them to understand something horrific is coming. You're not going to like it. You're not going to like what they do to me. You're going to hate when they crucify me and see me dead on the cross. But as the centurion, centurion a couple weeks ago we talked about, they, truly this is the Son of God. You're going to understand, three days after they crucified, I am going to rise from the dead and live. He told them. When Jesus tells us something, we ought to stop, take it in. I mean... If you're a new believer or an older believer, you have to read the Gospels and read the Gospels and read the Gospels. If somebody just gets saved and you're discipling them for the next year, you ought to point them to the Gospels and read the Gospels and point them, listen, read everything Jesus says. And when you read what Jesus says, perk up. Sit up in your chair. Grab it and understand what he says. Instead of just, I've read... Luke 18, I read Luke 19 for my devotion. read Luke 20 for my devotions. Jesus said this. Look what Jesus said. And some, some of the, the uh, publishers have helped us by doing what? <laughs> We're tired. We haven't had our second cup of coffee. We're not awake. They put Jesus' words in what? In red. So we're like, oh, Jesus said this. And he tells them, they did not understand what Jesus was talking about. I don't, think, I don't think they grasped it. Their ideas about how Jesus would triumph over his enemies were so different than what Jesus explained to them. That his crucifixion left them completely bewildered. Just like they were not prepared for the violent removal of their master, neither did they understand that he would raise from the dead and live. A dead man rising from the dead. Listen, I don't care how spiritual you are, how bookwise you are. Listen, if somebody tells you, Jim, that a dead man is literally, he's dead, he's not breathing, his heart is not pounding, and he's going to raise from the dead, like, you're going to think he's a nutcase. And I know he's deity, and I know by this time, the last two, three years, they're walking with him, and they're seeing miracle, miracles one after another, and they're seeing and experiencing the life of Christ, but still, it's hard to comprehend that a dead man could actually live. It happened a few times up before that, and actually Jesus could have drifted back and remembered who? Lazarus. But really... How difficult would it be to 
comprehend and understand that. A dead man raising from the dead is so unheard of that him rising on the third day, I don't know that it would have entered their minds. Who, who took the body? Where is he? Who stole him? <clears throat> but when they seen the empty tomb, and they seen the angels, which reminded them of what he said, it was like a light turned on in their heads and in their hearts at that time. They I believe they remembered what Jesus said. And verse 8 pretty much substantiates that. They remembered what he said. Got it. Stone gone. Body gone. Not getting it. Angels. Uh, the angels are like, why are you searching for a living man when dead people go in tombs? Why are you doing that? He's not here. He's risen. Got it. He told us that. It's hard to, hard to swallow, hard to believe that could happen. That's what happened. <clears throat> Folks, they're not robots. These women, these men. Wonder what was going through their minds. Here's another discovery. The unbelief of the apostles in verses 9 through 12. The unbelief of the apostles. The women left the tomb and returned to all the rest. The text in 9 through 12 says, and in verse 9 it says, all these things they talked about with the disciples, all these things. For me, when I'm doing Bible study, I'm asking lots of questions. Where? What? When? How come? And when you ask all these questions, there's some really good books out there, hermeneutical books out there that will help you become a better studier of the Word of God and not just a generic, casual reading in your devotions, coming away with, oh, I did my devotions. Hooray, I'm spiritual this week. <coughs> You're not necessarily spiritual this week because you did your devotions every day. Jesus Christ makes you spiritual. He's what makes you spiritual. He's what drives you to do your devotions every day this week. But there are great tools out there to help us more than ever, ever. And so all these things that probably included what they experienced up to this point, what they were told up to this point, what Jesus told them, what the disciples and them talked about behind closed doors, and what they remembered in their minds. All these things they discussed with the apostles. And boy, did they have a discussion. You want to talk about someday, it's like, Pastor Carl, can I sit in with you in a deacon's meeting? I want to hear all these things that you guys talk about. Well, I would love to sit in in this meeting with these ladies and the apostles, the disciples, to hear about all these things the ladies talked about. What a neat meeting and conversation that would have been. Luke does not describe the various visits to the sepulcher mentioned in the other Gospels. Luke only states clearly that the women who were at the sepulcher, they saw and they heard the angels and went to communicate this to the disciples. Folks, different authors, different intentions in the Word of God. It is not Luke's object 
to give a complete account of the occurrences, but to proclaim the fact, the certainty of the resurrection, which liberals are trying everything they can to tear it apart with no avail. He does, Luke does not wish to distract our attention, the readers today, from the main fact by different details of the actions and experiences of people. So, Luke gives, in a summarized form, what we've read tonight and have discussed, <coughs> a general picture of the fact that the sepulcher was found empty and that the angels proclaimed Jesus' resurrection plain and simple. I don't believe in the resurrection. Let me take you to Luke and let me point out plain and simple fact. Grave, no body, Jesus is alive. Period. I don't believe it. Well, you don't have to believe it. But God has said it here. There is a record. There is an eyewitness here. These women eyewitnessed it. And you don't need a Reader's Digest version of the crucifixion, resurrection, and exaltation of Christ. It says it right here. Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, penned it for us to understand. Fact. Now, would the testimony that the tomb was empty and that Jesus had been raised be accepted by the apostles? The words of the women seemed to the perplexed disciples like the text says what he read, and I had to chuckle when he read it, like senseless women's talk. They would not believe them. They thought the women were probably a product of emotionalism or some feminine hysteria. The women's words seemed to the apostles as idle tales. I'm not saying it. Luke is saying it, ladies. Don't get upset with me. Get upset with Luke. He's like, it's, these women are nonsense. They're emotional. They're filled with themselves. Hysteria. Have you ever seen a woman cry before all emotional and hysteria? That's what basically Luke is saying. They're just all emotional wreck. Their makeup is coming off. They're just they're beside themselves. They're not thinking. They're not stopping. They're not deducing what's going on. So they didn't believe these women. That's basically what Luke is saying. But Peter, impulsive as ever, understatement, accompanied by John, according to John's gospel, and Pastor Carl showed us that, them running, running to the sepulcher and seeing with their own eyes the truth of the women's words. John 21 says that Peter saw the linen clothes laid by themselves. The linen clothes were not in a disheval heap. The resurrected body of Christ had slipped through them. Peter's wanderings through Mazzo, Peter's wanderings had not yet turned to faith. That's a whole nother discussion. As we close tonight, folks, there's a whole lot more things that go on before Jesus ever ascended to heaven from this point in the text to when he ascended to heaven. But 
I want to stress to you, like Dr. Luke stressed, the perplexing discovery. Jesus triumphs. And I loved, I'm going to stand by Woody more often. He's singing and he's shouting, Amen, praise God. Because what? Victory in Jesus. Woody's convinced by faith in the fact what Dr. Luke says is Christ is risen and is alive this week for you and I to practically and applicably believe the exposition and walk by faith following him. And because he triumphed, we that have placed our trust in him, guess what? We've triumphed. We have triumphed theologically. That's, I have amen written right beside that word. Thank you for saying that. We've triumphed theologically just as Christ is. Listen, folks, some favorite verses. Romans 6.4 Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. We have died with him when we come to him. That like as Christ was, what? Raised up. Raised up, folks. <coughs> from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so we also, what? Should walk in newness of life. We're alive with Christ. This week, we're walking in a new, fresh walk with Christ this week as we've been from the very point he saved us. And, and I love, like you folks love this verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17, because Christ was crucified, resurrected, ascended to heaven, and he's living today. This applies to us. Therefore, if any man, if you are in Christ tonight in this auditorium, this is not just a midweek service. This is the body of Christ you live streamers watching, it's the body of Christ coming together. If you're in Christ tonight, you are a new creature. Right? All things are passed away. Behold, all things in your life are become new because Christ is risen. And that's why the resurrection is a Christianity doctrine. You take it away. And there is no Christianity. Dr. Luke has proved it. It's perplexing. It was perplexing to these ladies. But it's fact. And this week, the reason that you're walking around talking to people about Jesus Christ is you believe that fact. You believe that fact. Or you wouldn't be telling somebody that Jesus is your Savior. You wouldn't be talking about how Jesus changed your life. You wouldn't be telling people, you're a new creature. There's something different in your life. That old way of life is gone and dead. You died with Christ. and You're risen with him. <clears throat> there is victory tonight in Jesus Christ. And this week, as you just practically get up, get with him, continue to progressively turn your life over to him day by day, Nothing magical. Christianity is a lot of hard work. Ephesians says, put on the armor of God this week. And you walk with him, trusting and believing his word concerning Christ was crucified, but he didn't stay dead. He lives today, and he lives in you Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 
on through until he comes back for his church, raptures his church, or until you die and go to be with him in heaven. He lives in you and you live with him. And that's how it's not magical. It's supernatural day by day walking with him and reading and understanding his instructions to us and following him. Father, thank you. Dr. Luke penned, not in his own strength, the gospel. And he left us a powerful, practical, simple, factual understanding of how we can, as Paul says in Philippians, we can know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. There's nothing that we can muster up, but it is everything that Christ can do in our lives. We can do all things through Christ, who tomorrow morning will strengthen us, this week will strengthen us, because you live, Christ, and because you live, we live. And we're thankful for that understanding tonight. We praise you for your power, the power of the cross, victory in Christ, and excited to be just serving you this week. We thank you in your son, Jesus' name. Amen.